One Leg Up with Alex Garrett is affiliate sponsored by Raymore and Flanagan. Take a look at the link in the description and whenever you want to take a load off and put your legs up to listen to One Leg Up with Alex Garrett, choose Raymore and Flanagan. Well, how do we get one leg up on the sex trafficking issues still plaguing this country? And not only that, not only that, with the migrant crisis we continue to see, I have to ask my next guest, John DiGirolamo, right here. Uh, John, firstly, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. really appreciate it. I've got to ask this surge that we're seeing, 2 million arrests at the border, but let's be honest, this whole sex trafficking has increased with the open borders we seem to be having, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it, it's something pervasive throughout the country. You know, we've got a lot of human smuggling on the border. Part of that is going to feed right into the uh, sex trafficking problems that we're seeing. Now, I know that you are promoting your new book, It's Not About the Sex, and it's about human trafficking as well, just the whole how do we combat this? So what I, it, it seems like you've been covering this for a long time, but what was the starting point to cover human trafficking? It's an issue that not many people want to talk about sometimes. Yeah, it, it is. It, it's, uh, you know, it's an issue with a lot of misperceptions. Um, and for me, I, I really found that it's one of the most evil things that someone can do to uh, another human being. So I wanted to shine a light on that and talk about that. And I told uh, it through four unique perspectives, an advocate, a law enforcement officer, a survivor, and a brothel madam story of redemption. So, so you get kind of different views about the same subject. And that was something that I wanted to focus on to kind of give these uh, folks a voice. And I know you write about it's not about the badge, and I'm going to have you on for another story. It seems like it's a series. but And then to combat all this, we've also got, you know, Congress people, a senator saying, well, you know, they look attractive to smuggle. Why do people say the things they do? It just fuels the fire and sort of encourages this, don't they? Doesn't it? Well, yeah, I, I certainly can't uh, get into the mind of a politician because that's kind of a scary place. So I'm not sure why they say say the things that they do. Um, it's a complicated issue. There's a lot of factors that go into it that um, and a lot of our culture kind of feeds into making that situation worse. Well, and I know you're a retired CPA, so how did you get on this track um, to combat human trafficking? Well, when I was interviewing um, some police officers for my first book, It's Not About the Badge, you know, I was focusing on the human side of policing and uh, we would sit uh, for several hours having an interview. And uh, at the end of the interview, I would ask just kind of a bunch of random questions. You know, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite movie? And I would ask, what, um, what would you do if you won the lottery? And I was expecting an answer of, you know, I'd buy a boat and go out to the lake every day. And one of the guys said that he would quit his job and hunt down human traffickers. And when he said that, it really struck me as something that I knew that I was going to have to pursue. And I looked at myself as the average citizen. I knew a little bit about it, saw a few headlines, but really didn't, didn't know all that much. And with this book, I'm, I'm trying to bring awareness to that average person who's not an expert and doesn't want to read a report, but 
I can take some of those facts and turn it into a plot line. So by the time you finish the book, you realize that you learned some things and didn't even know it because hopefully the, the stories are interesting and you want to turn the page and find out what happens next. And in these interviews, you, you come across the three situations that you write about. So I want to talk about the brothel because obviously the sex work seemingly being legalized in some states is encouraging human trafficking, is it not? Well, yeah, it, it's making commercial sex normalized. And when you do that, uh, you're going to get more trafficking. You're going to get more underage um, situations. And, of course, if they're underage, by definition, that's going to be a crime. That's, that's not legal to do. And, um, you know, when, when I interviewed the person, Jessica, who, um, who was doing that, you know, she also spent some time in the pornography industry. And that really feeds into the fantasy of having sex with underage uh, teens and that you know that fantasy we're seeing people you know live out in human trafficking well obviously you've probably heard of you know to catch a uh, I forget the name of it already but Chris Hansen I'm sure you you follow that series as well and did did any of that you know these true crime shows and movies and all that, that inspired you as well um yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some um, reality-based um, TV that that um, that we're seeing out there. You know, uh, it's 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 kind of the you know this Hollywood dilemma in in a sense because every advocate I talk to has talking about the movie Taken, where um, they felt like that really portrayed uh, a misperception out there that kidnapping is really where um, victims of human trafficking are coming from. That's really three to five percent. Most people are surprised to hear about that. And a lot of the portion of people, it's coming through people that you know. It's a family member. It's a neighbor, someone in high school. You know, over half of the victims are exploited by somebody that they know. It, it, the targeting of the stranger really isn't, uh, isn't that often that it happens. Well, I, I want to get into, because you want to sort of shine a light on how bad it gets. So let's just get real with this. How bad does it get? And you say it cuts across all kinds of factors, economic, social, racial, and political boundaries. So how deep does this get? And what's, what's I guess, firstly, the most severe thing you've experienced you've heard in these interviews? Yeah, so it, it uh, f first it is, a very big dollar amount. It's the second most financially lucrative crime after drugs from a global perspective. And what's different, of course, is we're talking about human beings being used for this purpose, not growing something somewhere or, or making things in a lab. And so you're seeing, um, you're seeing that happen. And it's, it's something that, um, you know, when I interviewed these people, um, I, I really wanted to try to get, you know, kind of get some of these stories out there about how specifically teens are targeted, kids are targeted, and a lot of these predators are using similar tactics. It may not always result in human trafficking, but it could feed other problems such as child pornography, um, extortion, things like that. And, um, and, and so we're just seeing a, a, a lot of this um, 
um, issue being um, being kind of falling through the cracks because people can be seen by different systems, foster systems, school system, criminal justice, medical profession, and, and they may not even you know, recognize that, that somebody um, is being trafficked and, and is a victim in this circumstance. I want to get to the parents for a minute because obviously it sounds to me when we deal with this subject, the parents don't really have a say and they can't really get their the child back from this, uh, right? Yeah, um, you know, there's there's situations where if they get physical control of somebody, they're going to take away their cell phone. They're going to take away their money. They're not going to have them have any access to um, to go back to that family. They may move them from town to town, um, and so they're they're really looking to isolate that person from their friends, their family, they're going to psychologically manipulate them to, to tell them that they can't trust authority and there's nothing they can do about their situation. So there's a lot of sort of psychological component. You're trying to break somebody psychologically. And the way that they're going to do that is many times trying to get them hooked on drugs. They'll uh, potentially beat them up, hurt them, et cetera as well as threaten their family. You know, one of the, one of the stories that I have in the book is where somebody, um, a, a pimp got a key to that person's house. And he kept saying, if you don't do what I say, I'm going to go hurt your family. I'm going to go, you know, hurt your little brother, et cetera. And these guys are violent criminals. And so it's very believable because they probably witnessed them commit violence against other people. Uh, that is just that is traumatic. Now, there I know there's some bright spots of survivors, but obviously uh, when they tell their story, when they tell their story, sorry about that. Uh, when they tell their story, the tears must start flowing. I mean, really flowing. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've got a whole chapter on a survivor, Angela, who was trafficked at the age of five, and her story isn't so much about what that looked like, but is the rest of that journey. She's in her 50s now, so it's also important to show that it's not something new. This happened um, decades ago, and most of her story is about um, how do you persevere in the face of adversity, and how does this person go from being sold by her family and years later have the wherewithal and the courage to talk to somebody like me, a total stranger, telling me all the details of her life. And the whole story kind of goes through what worked for her, what didn't work, you know, decades of therapy, how some of these memories kept flooding back, and, and how she had the strength to continue on. And not only that, but, you know, currently over the last several years, she is Tell, told her story. She goes to conferences and, and she's a life coach and she's trying to help other people. And to me, that's just kind of inspirational that she went from you know, a, a very serious victim to somebody who's trying to help other people and all the things, all the emotions that she went through and, and how she you know, had to come to terms with forgiveness and realizing that you can't change the past and you can only move forward. And so in, in a lot of ways, I think people may find that inspirational. 
Absolutely. And it's obviously, uh, um, she probably comes at it with warning signs to parents. Now, unfortunately, apps are normalizing this also. I want to first start with TikTok because I feel like there's a lot of romanticization of, you know, 25-year-olds linking up with a 16-year-old. Oh, this is, you know, whatever. It seems kind of celebrated for some reason. And then there's another side of it that is actually involving trafficking. Like, they're, they're, that's happening on TikTok, right? Yeah, I mean, TikTok is very popular with um, with teenagers and preteens these days. And um, there's been a lot of um, studies where they interview teenagers and they ask them, what would you rate TikTok as just a, a you know, if it was a movie? And almost all of them said it was PG-13 to R. And, you know, I saw this, um, um, this video, this um, a teen being interviewed, and, and she would say things like, you know, nude pictures would just show up on my phone, and she had no control of what came up with with TikTok. And so you have this very popular program. There's no control over what happens, and these kids are just exposed to this stuff, and anybody can set up a fake profile pretty easily, and there's just so many predators out there that are just trolling these apps for, you know, looking for vulnerable people. Give us a couple more stories because I, I want to hear more about the harrowing and then the, the eventual, I'd hope to say, you know, leaving that situation. Did you find a lot of survivors? Um, so I, 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 um, I have a whole chapter on, on a survivor, but some of the other people that I, that I interviewed um, worked with survivors. So, so one of the stories in, in my chapter about an advocate is a whole series of grooming. So this teen was groomed through a gaming app uh, through an Xbox player. And this person became her quote online friend. And then, you know, months later, um, they decide to, to meet up. And of course, this person doesn't, isn't the 15 year old uh, person in the profile, but is a much older guy, and he gets her hooked on drugs, and then starts, you know, telling her that her family doesn't care about her, only he cares about her, and eventually uh, starts to exploit her for human trafficking. And this is a real lesson for parents that they may, you know, your kid might be sitting in the living room, and you think they're safe. But if they're on any kind of connected device, they're not necessarily safe at all. And the great equalizer today is Wi-Fi, is the Internet, because it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you're in the big city, in a nice neighborhood, or out in the middle of nowhere. If you're online, every predator can see you. Well, I'm glad to hear um, that, you know that you're out there telling these stories. I'm also, you know, I shouldn't say glad, but that they're telling their story because it's, it's very important. And you're right, when they're in the living room, no one knows what apps they're on. And so you've got to have a chapter in the book about monitoring your children. Yeah, I, 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 I have a uh, kind of a tips for parents um, section at the end that, that kind of gives, gives them some ideas. But as you, as you talked about, Every single app has, um, has danger attached to it. Even apps that are 
maybe the maybe the game really is appropriate for children, but they have private chat rooms. And you know, I was talking to an undercover police officer, and and he was telling telling me a story about how this girl had um, an online relationship through Snapchat for almost a year. Parents had no idea. And this guy shows up at his house or her house um, wanting to meet her. And how did he find her? Well, there's location um, uh, capabilities because the person took a selfie, he sent pictures, et cetera. So this person tracked her down and showed up at her house. She was 11 and he was an adult. And, uh, and you know, unfortunately, that, that happens far too often. Now, the parents didn't just give her up, though, right? No, no. But I, I mean, that, but, but what if the parents weren't home and, she, and she's the one who answered the door? Then what happens? You know, it, and the thing is, is that all these apps have, um, have these private messaging uh, capabilities. And, and there's even apps out there that that's exactly what they're designed to do, is to do private messages, to do uh, video chats, and et cetera. And if a parent is not monitoring what's going on, they, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You wouldn't let your kid go to the mall and talk to 20 strangers um, at the local mall. So why would you let them talk to total strangers online? Well, these apps are getting worse, and they're not even 18-plus apps anymore, and that's the scary part to me. Yeah, there's a lot of apps that are um, – that, that are targeted towards adults, but yet the rating might be, you know, 12 plus, something like that. And there's just a lot of these are, are um, interactive, romance, et cetera. And they advertise themselves as uh, play with uh, friends that uh, from all, are all over the world. Well, that may sound like a nice marketing slogan, but there's definitely a lot of those people on those apps are there for nefarious purposes, not for, you know, just some innocent chatting. Absolutely. And these apps sort of, and then of course there's this sort of normalization now of like, I hate to say man, boy love, but there is this kind of like rah, rah, everybody should love who they want. And that's sickening too. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was uh, something um, that came out about a year ago about this, you know, minor attracted people. And it was a professor at George Mason university wrote a book essentially trying to destigmatize, you know, relationships between adults and children. And if you, if you normalize that, you're just feeding into um, a, a predator child situation. And, you know, whether it's curriculum in the schools, you know, the sexualization of our children, you've got all these cultural factors that are just making it easier for someone to kind of live out some kind of fantasy with, with an unsuspecting underage kid. Because if you're 13, 14, 15 years old, you're just really not that savvy in the world. And it's, it's, it's something that they're going to get tricked uh, many times. All right. Well, you know, there's there's unfortunately been an increase in this with the pandemic. So lockdown impact on all of this, which is just 
it's ironic because the Dems, and I hate to be political again, but the Democrats thought they were doing this tremendous idea by keeping people locked in. But yes, that lockdown encouraged human trafficking, didn't it? Absolutely. Because what happened during the pandemic for kids? They went out of school. They went home. They got online. They didn't have regular social interaction. So where did they get their social act- social interaction? From online. And they went to these games. They went to these chat rooms. You know, this organization, staysafe.org, uh, estimates there are 750,000 predators online in this country. And that's just a ton. And so when you spend all your time online, um, you're, it's just a matter of time before you run into a predator. And what's different about the teens and kids today is, you know, compared to um, older adults, is they grew up with this stuff. And they, this seems very natural. And for them, having a thousand friends is a goal rather than a problem. They don't see it as a problem. And if you have a thousand friends, and that's not unusual for a typical teenager to have a thousand friends or followers on social media. And if you have that, I guarantee that some of those people, they have no idea who they really are. Should we be scared for minors? I'm, I'm feeling a bit scared for them as we talk about this. Yeah, I, I think that, um, it's, you know, the world was always a dangerous place, but it, at least if you had your child, you know, your eye on them physically, you, you kind of knew what was going on. But today, you know, they could be ki- sitting, at, sitting at the kitchen table being online and, and you just don't know what's going on. And what's also very typical, I was, I was talking to this uh, undercover police officer and he was saying that 80% of uh, high school seniors have either seen or sent some kind of nude picture. And that's becoming something that's getting normalized in, in our high schools. And this can lead to cyberbullying. It can lead, lead to extortion, um, which can lead to uh, depression, suicidal tendencies, things like that. And so there's a lot of negative aspects to technology and if a parent is not on top of the situation, uh, it can easily get out of control. Absolutely. And, you know, what about those that unwillingly are in these group chats and all of a sudden minors start popping up? I mean, it, it's wise to get out of those chats ASAP, isn't it? Yeah, as, yeah, as a parent, you, you should be looking at all the apps that they, that they have and what they're using, who they're talking to, and, and really try to limit it so you've got some kind of balance so they're not spending so much time um, you know, on, on these various apps. But the problem, of course, is with technology is new apps are being developed all the time, and so it, it is difficult to uh, keep on top of things when there's new programs coming out every day. It is, it's just horrible, and, and it's scary. And now... For yourself, I mean, you have kids, so obviously this advice you take in your own household, don't you, to, for your kids? Yeah, I mean, my kids are adults now, so that's, that's the good news. But, um, uh, but eventually, you know, we'll have grandkids that are online, and it, it's something that you're, you know, the word absolutely going to have, to have to look at. And parents need to know what passwords 
uh, are on their phone. You know, there are some parent parental programs out there that can help, but but that's they're helpers. They're not going to be a 100 percent uh, perfect uh, program. Yeah, and I got to ask you this then, because um, your age was five, but does it go younger than that? Like the age that you documented in your book? Yeah, um, you know, I I, I, uh, I I can only speak for, for what, you know, the people that I interviewed, but, uh, you know, the five-year-old, it was definitely through a, a, a pure pedophile situation where they wanted to have sexual relations with children and um and 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 angela who i interviewed she was not the only person that that this person had um had exploited and so it, it can happen at a very tender young age and for someone that age what's different um is they they don't know life as a normal situation you know, if something happens to you at 16 or 17, you at least have memory of, of what it was prior to that. But when you're, when you're five years old, there is no before that you could kind of sort of look back to and, and think about, well, that was, that was when things were normal. That's how things should have been. Um, but, you know, there are stories out there about, you know, pedophiles who are, you know, abusing, you know, kids that are, you know, one years old. So it, it can definitely happen at any age. And it sounds so harsh, sold off, but did, did the family, why, how does that happen? Like monetary, how do your kids become a transaction? Yeah, you know, it, it a lot of times, um, you know, they will, again, you're dealing with a five-year-old, so they're going to, you know, threaten that five-year-old not to tell anybody and, um, and and then you know other symptoms may may come out and if people are not paying attention whether that's acting out or drug use or you know being angry or being depressed if, if people aren't paying attention for those kinds of things it just um, it just doesn't get uh, it doesn't get reported and in family situations it it's maybe something where you know they they want to just keep sweep it under the rug because they don't want um you know they don't want to have any of that exposure from a family perspective has any horrible karma come to these traffickers like i don't know i feel like they should be thrown in jail or or worse for some of these things they do so do you have any bad karma stories that actually would be good news for us like yeah Revenge did come to the traffickers. Yeah, I mean, in in um, in in many places, um, there's a lot of advocates looking to strengthen the laws. And you know, where I am in Colorado, um, they have some of the strongest laws, and people have gotten multiple hundred years uh, sentences. And so, those guys should be locked up for life. And so, there are some success stories like that, but uh, I, I think that um, they're not that often. You know, every now and then you're going to see something in the news where they're, they're going to bust um, a ring, but it's really kind of scratching the surface. When I interviewed the law enforcement officer, and this was in the Denver metro area, he said that they work on about 100 cases a year, but he felt that there were 1,000 cases 
in the Denver metro. So that means they're working on 10%. And Denver's not the biggest city in this country. No, but it is it is a city. Now, uh, city. now the there are so many other things that you talk about. I know you talk about Janelle as well. Give us what happened with her and, and her story. Yeah, so this is a, um, you know, this is an advocate. And what I started on, on with her was, um, you know, how does somebody uh, find the passion to want to help these people? And so she, she works as kind of a case manager. And what that means is, is when somebody is getting out of their situation and they've been exploited, you know, how do they navigate all the systems? There could be a school system, a foster system, uh, you know, criminal justice system. How do they navigate getting resources from other nonprofits? So she helps work with, work with those, you know, kind of new um, people trying to transition from victim to survivor. And, in some of those plots, um, you know, I asked her, what are some cases that really made an impact on you? And we really went into a lot of the detail of kind of a Romeo pimp who, who as the name implies, they're going to, to manipulate, they're going to act like an older boyfriend, and they may take their time. It may be a couple of months of, of a grooming process. And one of the stories is, you know, somebody – recruited out of high school, still living at home. And this person, you know, came in and for counseling and was very defiant and thought that will make, you know, is this just normal teenage acting out? And then you have to dig a little deeper to find out what was going on because, you know, a lot of the people, they know that, that, that what's happening to them is a bad situation. They may not want to talk about it. They, they may feel a lot of shame. They may blame themselves, which of course they shouldn't do, but that's, that's what these pimps are going to um, try to manipulate them into thinking that, Hey, this is your life. You just have to live with it and try to break them psychologically. As someone who sees a lot of bots and scammers online, uh, any advice for adults on how not to get scammed either? Because this is a big thing, not just for the younger generation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly things like, uh, you know, don't giving out your address, don't um, give out any, you know, kind of personal information, uh, things like that. Um, you know, don't say, you know, I'm going on vacation, so, so somebody knows that your house is un, is unoccupied, things like that um, is it, definitely going to help. And for a teenager, you know, the worst thing you can do on social media is to say something like, I hate my parents or I'm thinking about running away. That's just a big antenna for predators out there. And, um, and that's definitely something that Every parent should be saying, hey, even if you're mad at me, don't post that online because that's just going to attract the wrong type of people. All right. So it sounds to me the predators feed off childhood trauma as well, right? So how do parents in the process of dealing with this almost heal their connection with their child? I think that has to happen also, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, you know, parents have to be the parent and, and not the friend, and they need to know not only who their friends are that they see every day on a regular basis, but also who their online friends are, because eventually a teen is going to say, well, this is not a stranger that they're my friend, but 
they may have never actually met them in person. And so keeping on top of that, and you know, one piece of old school advice is every teenager should know um, five phone numbers by heart. You know, when I was a kid, we, I knew many phone numbers, friends, family, et cetera. Eventually that got into speed dial one, two, and three. Now it's on your contact uh, data in your phone and nobody knows phone numbers anymore. So not only would that be helpful if, you know, a teen say loses a phone or the battery's dead, but if they're in real trouble, they need to know a phone number they can call. This is uh, such a valuable thing. And I want to have you back um, because this is a, this is not an ever, an ending story. You know, it always continues, but I've I have to say, um, are you keeping stats on this daily? Have you seen new statistics? Do they keep stats on what's going on in human trafficking? Yeah, I, I, I see headlines all the time about, um, you know, t and typically when if somebody's been arrested or they found, um, you know, human smuggling where, where there was a bunch of people being trafficked on the border, things like that. So there's headlines every day and I'm, I'm keeping track of that. And, I, I go and do presentations about the book, about human trafficking, and then kind of the practical tips for parents, things like that. And, and I've had people just out of the blue contact me and say, you know, they were a victim or they know somebody who was and how they just, you know, they just wanted to, to talk to somebody who would listen to them, somebody who would care. And, um, it's it's something that's that you're seeing every day. It's it's just a matter of being aware of it. Well, indeed, and I'll tell you one thing that frustrates me is if you're in a group chat and you see these older people like hitting on. It's like, what are you doing? I don't. I, they don't even mean well at that point. I feel like like I don't know. I don't get the innocence of doing any of that in a group chat. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. No, but you know, I'll, I'll, yeah. The, the, the predators want to get somebody who has some kind of need, some kind of unmet need. And a lot of teens, they need, you know, they need affirmation. They kind of view value with the number of likes, the number of people who are following their Snapchat story, things like that. And when you, when you feed into that, when you say to, to, to a 13 year old, you know, you're really smart, you're really pretty other people don't understand you. They, they're going to latch on to those kinds of comments. And, and then that's where they try to, you know, build up to being a friend and, and try to gain that trust. And, and they're going to do uh, anything they can to try to exploit them. And it may start with something very um, innocent, like, Hey, you know, you said you 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 wish you had a a new a new pair of shoes or whatever. You know, I'll give you ten dollars if you send me a picture of your feet. And you know, a, a a thirteen year old might say, "Sure, what's what's wrong with that?" Well, well, that's how it starts. And then you can imagine what they're asking for when they're going to pay twenty dollars and forty dollars and a hundred dollars. And you know, today electronically, you can send money through Zelle and PayPal and Apple Pay and all these other, other ways to, to pay for things. And, and, then, and then once a, you know, a, a kid has done stuff like that, then they're in too deep and they don't know 
you know, how to, how to get out. And if, you know, they don't want to talk to their parents or they feel like they don't have a good relationship, then they have no one to talk to. And then, and then they're just even more vulnerable than they were. And, you know, to those that say, well, you shouldn't say predator. That's too aggressive. Like the progressives are saying everything's too aggressive. The way we label things. And that frustrates me also. So to those that say, oh, you're being too harsh. I mean, don't call them a predator. What do you have to say to that? Um, that's what they are. Uh, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. These guys are nefarious. The, to me, they're committing e- evil when you take advantage of someone who's underage and is vulnerable like that. Um, that's what it is. It's it's one of the worst things you can do. To me, it's pure evil. And they're predators, and that's probably being a nice word in my book. Well, it's notabout.com is the website, correct? Yeah, it is notabout.com, and the book is selling on Amazon. There's also an audio version and a Kindle version on Amazon. So I encourage you know anyone listening to go and check it out. And that we will. Uh, thank you so much, John DiGiolamo. And is there a Twitter we could find you at? Uh, sorry, I'm not on Twitter. That's all good. I'll still put the website <laughs> link in the description. So, John, let's have a continued conversation as we roll into the holiday season and, and, and give people more advice as we go along here. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, one of the things we could talk about in the future is my interview with an undercover police officer and kind of what are those things that every parent should know. We've talked about some of it, but there's more. I think it'd make a great conversation next time. 100%. Uh, thanks so much, John, and we'll be in touch. All right. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. I'm Alex Garrett, where we're always adapting. One Leg Up with Alex Garrett is affiliate sponsored by Raymore and Flanagan. Take a look at the link in the description. And whenever you want to take a load off and put your legs up to listen to One Leg Up with Alex Garrett, choose Raymore and Flanagan.